Hey, welcome back. This is the Pie Boy Podcast, and I'm your man, Sparky Swain. And current times, thinking about the Little League World Series, it's on. I haven't really watched any games. I know that there's a team from Lake Oswego uh, playing in it. I'm not sure. I think they lost a game recently. I don't know. But I grew up watching it, and I grew up playing baseball, and I can't help but think about my times as a youth baseball player from third grade all the way to eighth grade playing uh, uh, junior, junior, national, junior American, senior American. And I think before that in third and fourth grade is called midgets. I'm pretty sure they've changed that now because that is a terrible term, derogatory term uh, for people of small stature and it shouldn't be called um, a level of youth baseball but with that being said yeah I can't help but think about playing baseball and I have so many stories and I can I can only tell so many of these baseball stories and remember I can only remember so many of them from growing up and today I have one that I really love and I'll make some reflections and connections, maybe talk a little bit about some of those other stories. Um, but yeah, the little league world series, I always wanted to play in it. Um, I never played little league. Um, the baseball I played was a little bit different. It was more of standard rules. Um, it was high school rules as little kids and wasn't regulated as much or regulated in a different way. There was a lot of bureaucracy that I, I didn't know about until I was a little bit older, but that's not what this podcast is about. Uh, but yeah, current times, I'm thinking about that. I just got a new job uh, teaching English for next year. I'm very excited. There's been a lot of trauma and pain and tears and stress and things because of trying to find a new teaching job in the pandemic, not just a sub job. And I did it and I'm excited to make an impact on some new students um, at the high school level, talking about reading and writing and trying to share a passion and trying to inspire a passion in students. What else? Uh, Oh, thinking about the Rolling Stones sending love to them and all their fans and the family members of Charlie Watts. Um, that's my dad's favorite band, so I couldn't help but think about my dad and being a drummer myself, thinking about somebody I'd look up to and somebody I'd want to be like and listen to. Um, yeah, shout out to the man, to the rock of the Rolling Stones. Uh, let's get back into the baseball part. I just looked at my notes. It made me laugh. So the Little League World Series, I always was jealous, to be honest, um, because I knew if my friends and I had the chance that we would have made an impact. Maybe we wouldn't have won the World Series, but we would have had fun. And the way they show them on all the teams on ESPN and they do intros for them and interview them and all that stuff, I'm pretty sure ESPN would have had a really fun time with my hometown crew. And a kid that I thought about a lot in that sense uh, from last year's Little League World Series, shout out to Big Al. I can't remember what team he played for, maybe the Great Lakes. But his intro was, I'm Big Al and I hit dingers. And it made me laugh so hard. And it made me think of all the jokers I am, I'm about to tell you about today. Oh, so let's get into this thing. And today's story <clears throat> is called The Showdown in Sisters, Chapter 83. When I was in sixth grade, we played junior American youth baseball. It was similar to Little League and all the hype around the Little League World Series, but the rules were different. It followed high school rules, which allowed us to do the fun stuff like steal bases and lead off. There were two divisions, and my dad, who coached us, encouraged us to play up at the American level for better competition. But sometimes our ragtag team from the outskirts of Oregon City and the hamlet of Beaver Creek paid the piper when going against bigger schools and districts. We always played up when it came to league play, 
but on the weekends, we would play down at the junior national level in tournaments all over the state, from Florence to Brownsville to Hillsboro and beyond, in hopes to have fun and win some games. There were a lot of games where we got stomped because my dad and the other coaches wanted to challenge us by playing up a level. Sometimes it sucked, but when I look back on it, I'm thankful for the lessons and building character through resilience and perseverance. One thing we hated more than anything were teams that would sandbag and would play down at the national level for tournaments when everyone knew they had the firepower and much bigger lot of athletes to choose from. Cheating in baseball is pretty damn bad, and nothing gets people more fired up in baseball than that, in my opinion. Just ask people about the Houston Astros. One of those teams we dealt with was from Sherwood. They had this tournament team with some heavy hitters. They had a dude who was 6'4 and 6th grade and could hit home runs on the high school fields. I saw it. We played them in a few tournaments that summer, and they 10-runned us every time. They made us look bad, even though we were a close-knit team with some local solid athletes, pie boys, and jokers to boot. Their team was hand-picked from a much bigger population compared to our rural Malala, OC, Malino, and Clark's territories. It was a classic David versus Goliath story. We heard rumors they had kids that were going into 8th grade playing down, but that is a whole different story. They didn't check birth certificates like they did in the Little League, and no one had a smartphone to double check. My dad played high school baseball with one of the kids' dads from Sherwood, so we had the inside scoop on their talent and coaching. We didn't respect them at all because they should have been playing up the whole time, but chose to play down so they could dominate people. They also taunted us after embarrassing embarrassing us on the field. For them, winning was more important than having fun, competing at high levels in sportsmanship. Our team was the, was an alternative reality version of the Bad News Bears in the year 2000. My dad and my buddy Snake's dad, the original Spud, not to be confused with my sister Spud, would be so positive even when we got our butts kicked by teams like that. They made us believe if we kept working hard, having fun, and showing up every day, that one of those days we would get our revenge on the juggernauts. <clears throat> At the end of the summer, we did in fact get our revenge in a tournament in Sisters, Oregon. We played well enough to make it to the championship game in the fancy Little League stadium. We were all so giddy until we found out we were playing Sherwood. Most of us were scared of them and didn't want to be blown out. They were damn good and we knew it would take a special game where we played our absolute best or it would be sheer luck if we beat those jokers. My dad got us so fired up. He and the other dads before the game made a bet with us that they, that all of the coaches and dads would shave their heads if we beat Sherwood. My dad was on one and may have had a beer and a Copenhagen buzz going, but he had words of encouragement to get us going. He said, on any given day, any team can rise to the occasion and do special things. Their time is coming, and why shouldn't it be us that gave them all their money's worth? We have to act and play like we are better than them and never lose faith. Most importantly, fellas, we can never say die. We all exploded with excitement and energy after that. He believed we could beat them, and he wanted us to do it so badly he broke out the infamous eye black for us to get fired up. We painted our faces like we were going into a battle. We looked more like the Road Warriors and the last of the Mohicans rather than junior baseball players. My dad wanted us to show them we wouldn't be intimidated. There would be no backing down 
from these guys in the championship game. Our crowd was just as fired up because they had seen Sherwood whoop our ass all summer long. They put on the war paint too, and my stepmom started leading the crowd in cheers. It was a sight to see and a thing to listen to. I still can see my friend's grandmas covered in war paint screaming and yelling like it was the World Series. The game was close from the get-go. Not a lot of offense, but a lot of great pitching by our ace lefty and a magical defense in the field by our cast of characters. Lefty was pitching like a kid possessed. With every strike or out, my stepmom would have the crowd doing the tomahawk cheer like the Atlanta Braves. They were hooting and hollering so loud that the home plate umpire kept stopping the game and said our crowd had to tone it down or we were going to have to forfeit the game. My dad was not buying it and called out the head of the tournament for a meeting at home plate. They couldn't stop the game for real, and we continued on after a little chat. Our crowd went, they weren't cussing or being bad sports by any means. They were flat out cheering for us, and they were loud. It was all passion. The crowd did calm down, but our dugout did not. We had so much chatter going on. My buddy Nails was leading all the chants, and the rest of us followed. Some of us lost our voices from yelling and screaming so much. We want a pitcher, not a belly itcher. We were saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Things were happening in slow motion. It felt like the game was taking all day to get through. As we got closer to the end of the game, things took a strange turn. I remember being in the outfield and the big boy coming to bat for Sherwood. I could tell everyone was holding their breath because it got real quiet. On the third pitch, Big Daddy hit a rocket over my head. I stopped running halfway to the fence behind me because I could tell it was going over. It went at least 50 feet further than the fence, and their crowd exploded with cheers. It was weird because they had been drowned out by our crowd for the majority of the game. They had not made a peep due to the craziness of our side. I bet that freaked those stuck-up ridge jerks sitting across the stands. They were talking trash after that hit, like the game was over, but it was only one run, one to zero. They had us pinned down by one run when all year they had scored at least 10 or more runs on us, and we had not scored a single run. The tables have turned. I remember my dad and the original spud called timeout to talk to Lefty and the rest of us. I remember running in. I had a feeling they were going to take Lefty out for being rocked like that. Most pitchers lose their mojo when a dude gets a big hit off of them, let alone a 300-plus foot bomb to center field. As we all ran into the huddle to make a game plan to get out of the jam, we could see something different about Lefty's reaction to the home run. He kept saying, Did you see that hit, guys? Holy smoke, guys. It looked like it hit the moon. He was in awe and almost excited about it. It didn't freak him out at all. My dad decided to leave him in, and I know the other team was smelling blood. They thought this was their ending to destroy us and jump all over our wounded pitcher. My dad looked at us and said, Fellas, shake it off. One run is not going to beat us. Everyone put your hand in. Never say die on three. We all said the magical words and went back to our business. One, two, three. Never say die. Lefty got his act together and got us out of the jam. We were the home team and the next inning was our last at bat. I was the first player up to bat and I grounded out. I was so pissed because I wanted to be a hero. I tried to run it out, which I thought I did, but was called out. 
I felt like I lost the game, even though we had two outs left. I called bullshit on the ump, and Nail's brother, Three Finger Jack, laid into me on the way back to the dugout for talking to the ump and throwing my helmet. I pulled my head out of my arse and started cheering on my teammates. We were not going to roll over for these jokers. Our next guy, Sneaky Charlie Googs, got a bunt signal, sing, <laughs> single, sorry, and we all screamed with joy. He pulled that one right out of his arse. Then he stole second base because the other team got all bent out of shape with the unexpected bunt. It was the last thing they thought we were going to do. Our next guy struck out, and we started to get worried. That's two. Then Lefty got up and hit a rope to right field and got a double out of it. We all cheered so loud it rang my ears as Charlie Googs scored the tying run. That's when we all started to really believe in beating these guys. The crowd did one more chant and then got silent. My buddy Rhino got up to bat next and had two terrible swings and got down two strikes. We were crapping our pants, but he didn't look phased. He fell off the next two pitches, which only added to the anxiety. The next pitch was a fastball, and Rhino got a solid swing on it and rocked it. I remember my dad saying to us, that dog will hunt. The stadium exploded with cheers, and Lefty got on his horse around the bases and had a huge jump with two outs to boot. It was a double to left center field, and Sherwood had trouble tracking it down. Lefty ran home with a late throw and scored the winning run unfazed. Rhino was standing on second base in disbelief. I remember the team running onto the field and people hugging and throwing their hats. The crowd was all hugging and cheering too, maybe even crying. The Sherwood team didn't even shake our hands and just walked off the field in disgust. We did a victory lap. And the ump yelled at us, but we pretended like we didn't care. We had taken down the giant, and they did not like it one bit. The dude my dad had played with in high school and his son were the only ones from Sherwood that were good sports. They said we were a great team and that their team needed a little bit of their own medicine, which they got. We shaved our team doctor's head at home plate along with the other coaches and some of the teammates and their dads. My dad is bald, but he suggested we shave his back and we all said no way with a big belly laugh. It's a game I will never forget. Our community of characters had come together and gotten one of the biggest wins of our lives. We hoisted the trophy up at home plate and yelled so loud. We had earned that thing from all the blood, sweat, and tears experienced throughout the season. The parents partied so hard afterwards that most of them took the next day off of work and we camped one more night out in the desert. Bam. The showdown in sisters. It's freaking crazy and the the prologue or whatever you want to call it after this and it kind of just wraps it up and then I'll get into the reflections and connections but the next weekend my dad and my stepmom uh, went fishing out somewhere towards by sisters and they had broken down it was really hot and the the suburban engine overheated and blew up so they had to get towed and they got towed to some place and while they're waiting to figure out what the hell had happened to the suburban my dad just started bsing with a dude um randomly at this place of probably like a gas station or auto repair place somewhere in between sisters and bend and 
middle of nowhere. And my dad was, had this uncanny ability to make friends with people and find people that he knew. And he's talking to this guy and they started talking about baseball. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, I'm an umpire. I ump high school games and little league games and junior baseball games. And Oh man, last week I got a story for you. I umped this game with some of the craziest fans I'd ever experienced in this wacky team from Malala or Clark's or some goddamn place. And he started going off about how crazy everybody was. And my dad just started laughing and he goes, dude, you're not going to believe this. That was my team. That was my son's team. And the dude at first was like, what? And then they just started bullshitting. And my dad told him the rest of more about the team and kind of the story with the Sherwood team and all this stuff. And they drank beers and laughed about it. And I remember my dad calling me because that was the end of the summer. And I went back to my mom's. I was, or I went to my mom's and my grandma's uh, at the coast after that. And he had called me and was like, Sparky, you're not going to believe this. I ran into one of the umpires from the sisters game. And he just thought we were the craziest baseball team, let alone the craziest game he'd ever umped in his life. And I drank beer with him and blah, 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 and told me all this stuff. And I just, this weird small world how that kind of stuff happens and it always happens with me and my family and especially with my dad but let's uh, i gotta break down some things i don't want to run out of time on this so i got a lot to say and maybe um it'll end up being two parts but i don't know let's get into it so yeah cast of characters so many freaking characters but first character to talk about is this guy named trace so we the the dad on the team that my dad knew first we had seen the kid and my dad's like oh man i that kid looks just like this guy I played baseball with when i was a kid when i was a senior in high school and this guy was a freshman and blah 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 and like time goes on and eventually the dad comes and he's like doug swain is that you oh my god and it was this dude that played varsity as a freshman i think he's a a local legend i think he played college baseball um at lewis and clark or somewhere excuse me that was terrible but that's not the point and uh the point is that my dad played with this dude and my dad used to tell all kinds of story about this guy who played up as a freshman and he was really good. But for some reason, when my dad pitched, my dad was their number one pitcher and a pretty damn good pitcher. Um, he made a lot of errors and he swore that this guy had cost him two no hitters Uh, And one of those no-hitters my dad used to talk about was how he lost a a one-to-nothing no-hitter on two errors. So the dude had made like back-to-back errors and (laughs) somehow cost him a no-hitter. And my dad said he'd never, never forgive him for that and i don't think he ever will honestly my dad's pretty stubborn and gets very worked up about baseball stats and all these things from the 70s and 80s and whatever but i just remember him asking the question like how can he lose a no hitter well if somebody makes an error or even two bad ones like he did that's how you do it and my dad lived through that somehow i think he still loses sleep over that but yeah, we played this guy, uh, Trace's son from Sherwood. He was pretty good, but he wasn't like these other guys on the team that were handpicked, maybe in eighth, some of them in eighth grade or going into eighth grade kind of stuff or nothing like Big Daddy, who I ended up playing against in basketball and football later in life. And I think this dude, he might have got a scholarship for football because he ended up being like six, eight or something is a monster. Anyway, let's talk about some of the traditions and other characters from this story that I mentioned. So I talked about 
nails, uh, aka Roscoe, aka the sauce. I talked about him a few different times on the podcast, but when we were first growing up, he when I met him in third grade, his nickname was Nails because he was tough as nails, and I think that came from his dad. Um, but Sauce was always good with the baseball chatter. When we were in high school, like people hated us for a lot of reasons, um, not just from being from Malala, but all the chatter, all the stuff we'd make up. He would always yell, Steve Perry, um, when people were pitching or somebody was going to make a play in the infield or outfield, try to make a catch, and he would yell, Steve Perry, who was like a famous uh, rock singer, uh, artist. I can't remember if that's Journey's lead singer, maybe, the infamous, but he'd do silly stuff like that. And all the other baseball chatter makes me think of, like my dad said, that dog, all the sayings, that dog will hunt, um, Charlie Hustle. Um, I can't think of all the different things. I was starting to look it up, but there's just too much, too much stuff to, to name. Uh, refuse to lose, uh, respect all, fear none, hit hard, run fast, turn left. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work, things like that. Those are all things that we'd say and believe in. And thinking or thinking of traditions, uh, some of those traditions were things called killers. So in baseball, we'd do the side-to-side drill where you had to keep your butt down. You didn't have a glove, but you had to shuffle side-to-side, left-to-right, and uh, catch the ball and then toss it back to your coach or whoever was doing it and these were, wasn't a drill we did for fun. It was a drill we did if we were late. Um, we would, for every time you were late, it was 100 killers. If you missed practice, that was 100 killers. If you got bad grades, that was 100 killers. All these different things, and they would add up, and you couldn't do those things. You couldn't play in the game unless you did your killers. And that tradition started with my dad. Uh, maybe in youth sports, but definitely his high school coach had done that. And the infamous story is that uh, my dad had gone to live with his dad and work in Hawaii for a summer, and he didn't show up to any of the summer baseball games until like the very end. And he somehow accumulated a thousand killers at one point, and supposedly he did a thousand killers before his first start and about blew his arm out and his body out afterwards. And he could maybe, I'll ask him about the full story, but that was just the abridged version that I remember growing up of like, do your killers, be on time, don't fuck around. Um, Yeah, so he instilled those kinds of traditions and hard work into us. Uh, What are some of these other things? had to write them down because there's so much stuff. Oh, the victory lap. So the next story I'm going to tell next week talks about how a victory lap got us in big trouble, but we used to do that. Um, Definitely in other teams' fields. We always did it at home, but if we had a bad relationship with a team or something kind of like Sherwood, we definitely did it on their home field. And people got pissed people hated that kind of stuff but it was just us i don't know it was just a tradition that we had um we used to have this tradition because on a where we said to the woods um at the end of a game uh because we had used to do team movies and one of those movies was uh the original um wow i'm totally blinking robin hood with Kevin, I think it was with Kevin Costner, and there was this part about to the trees, to the woods, and we would do that because we are from the Boondocks, and uh, after games we would head home to the to the woods. It's kind of silly, but it was fun. Uh, never say die. That was not just baseball. That was also a football thing, um, but it wasn't just a saying. It was a mentality. Um, my dad instilled this in me and a lot of my teammates of just never quitting even if we're getting our butts kicked do not quit do not roll over do not call the meat wagon he just i don't know he just didn't no matter what wanted to show sportsmanship in that sense wanted to show character and strength and i always appreciated that lesson i learned a lot from things like that
we also talked about things uh, like <clears throat> one of our big concepts was hustling and my dad and different coaches would always say you you don't have, to have talent to hustle and we talked about all the different things that you didn't have to have talent to do as far as baseball goes and being on time um, working hard blah 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 but the the hustle thing it's like oh, no matter what you'd impress my dad if you hustled you could be the worst player worst arm worst hitter couldn't catch a fly ball couldn't ground a ball couldn't steal a base couldn't lead off right but if you hustled he'd find a spot for you you get to play for sure and i just ah, it's so ingrained in me when people don't hustle as when i was a coach and when I played and my dad wasn't my coach, I'd get so upset. And sometimes I wouldn't say things, but sometimes I just couldn't help but say things. And another thing, we might think hearing these things like call us the bad news bears or we're like the mean machine. We are this like handpicked team of jokers and pie boys and stuff. And we're kind of all the misfits. People didn't like there was... I didn't have to do tryouts, but some of my friends would do tryouts and different things. And a lot of them wouldn't get picked on other teams. And my dad and Spud would pick them on their team because they love them. And they'd find a way because they had these traits that other players didn't have. Like they would hustle even though they weren't the best arm. But you know what? That hustle, that could make one play that wins a championship or one play that scores a run or something and my dad would believe in these misfits like the mean machine guys where they had these special characteristics that was unlike anybody else um, no matter how weird or raw it was and we actually we learned a lot we weren't just a bunch of jokers and pie boys really deep down we we learned a lot of fundamentals from um, my dad and coach Spud for sure and other coaches, but those two for sure. And one of those things that we, we learned or learned from, uh, they were kind of students of the game. And at that time in the late nineties and early two thousands, we had Cal Ripken baseball videotapes, um, with Cal Ripken. And I think other players like Fred McGriff who played for Atlanta Braves, uh, Cal Ripken obviously played for the Orioles, if you know who that is. But these tapes were amazing. I think about these skills I learned. They'll never go away. I look forward to coaching my daughter and maybe softball or coaching high school at my new school, baseball, and instilling these things in people. I think about the glove circle, which was all about, like, if a ball came high, have your – glove turned a certain way if it went low you turn your glove the opposite way um <clears throat> what else a uh, different way how to catch a fly ball the placement of your glove a crow hop um where to hit the cutoff man what to aim for um how to throw somebody out at home so we had a bucket behind uh home base and we would go to the different three different positions and take fly balls and try to do one hoppers into the bucket to emulate where the catcher should catch it to make a play at home. If there was a play at home, uh, we learned all these batting techniques. Um, we learned throwing techniques um, about using two hands and not catching off to the side and being lazy move your my dad would say things like back to the traditions move your feet or lose your seat it was such a huge one we'd say that all the time it's like stuck in my head um what are the other things how uh, we did all these infield drills and outfield drills the the bucket thing is hilarious and i'll get to one of our cast of characters named johnny buckets and how he got that name um but yeah the cal ripkin stuff uh, and then later I went to BioForce and learned about pitching and biomechanics of pitching and using all like your whole body and all the muscles and different things to be a smarter and better pitcher. Uh, what are some of the other things? 
how the glove circle thing is huge and how to crow hop, how to throw. It'll just always be ingrained in me. I should have wrote all these things down. I'm blinking now in the moment, but I hit on quite a few things. But let's get back into the characters. Uh, I kind of got away from that earlier, but now that I started talking about Johnny Buckets, um, yeah, I already talked about the sauce, aka Nails, such a fun teammate from third grade all the way to senior year. Love playing with that guy, my buddy Snake. Um, uh, he was a good player, but such a worry worry. He had a lack of confidence for some reason and always messed with him. But one of the toughest, grittiest dudes I ever played with uh, was a third baseman. And they tried to put him at second at different times in our lives and it didn't work out. It wasn't really, or actually it was his spot, but he played third um, in high school. That's a whole different story. But back in the day, he played infield and was a really good pitcher, but I think we might have thrown his arm out um, because he just threw a lot of strikes and he was the coach's son, but whatever. Snake was good. And he didn't get his nickname from that. We had, uh, let's see, Benny Haha. AKA the thief. He's one of our fastest, best athletes could play. He played shortstop for us for a long time before he went to Oregon city in high school, but throughout the youth sports, he was our, our shortstop and our, one of our leadoff type hitters and dude that always got on base. And we called him the thief because he would, he could steal on anybody. He was sneaky. He'd always get these different leads, and he was really good at picking up the pitcher's cadence and wind up and all that kind of stuff. Very smart player. Very skilled. Um, at a young age, a little Benny Haha. And I used to get jacked up on Mountain Dew and uh, Snickers bars and a Red Bull before the game. He'd be doing cartwheels after throwing somebody out at first, and we would just die laughing before we knew exactly what he was doing before the games, just getting jacked on sugar and caffeine. His dad was the team doctor who we called Doc, named after Doc Holliday, the old outlaw. Um, he was amazing. He had all these crazy, he was a naturopath doctor and he had all these hippie remedies for our arms, all these weird rubs and different things he'd put on. Um, he sewed people injuries up. He did a lot of things, nutrition. He'd bring us all kinds of like hippy dippy bars and snacks to keep us hydrated and keep us fueled up. He was believed in carbo loading for us as young kids and different things before games. Uh, I love that guy. Uh, who else? Johnny Bucket. So back to the Cal Ripian thing. We had this guy we were talking about how uh, you didn't have to be the most skilled, um, but if you had heart and you hustled and did different things, and this guy, that was him, Johnny Buckets, was one of the slowest, least skilled dudes we ever had in the history of any of my baseball teams, but he had a lot of heart, and he was always positive and a, a good kid, and he was the first one in our drills to like consistently get the ball in the bucket from the outfield and my dad thought that was just the greatest thing and he started calling him Johnny Buckets um, he'll always be Johnny Buckets forever because of that he had a little brother that we called the babe because literally he was a fourth grade player holding his own on a sixth grade team um, it was amazing uh, he wasn't the fastest by any means, but he always tried really hard and had a lot of heart uh, for a fourth grader playing up. My dad loved that kind of stuff. He loved to have guys come up if they could. Uh, what else? Who else? Who else? Legs was another person. Uh, he wasn't on the sisters team because uh, he was a year older than us. He was in seventh grade, but he played on some other teams. And then once we were older, he played with us in seventh and eighth grade. And, uh, he was a character and we called him legs cause he was tall and like basically all legs. And there was this great story about him at a Hillsborough tournament that we ended up winning in seventh grade, seventh and eighth grade baseball the next year after that, where he had 
broke his wrist early in the season. And the day that he could get his cast taken off, uh, he was supposed to go to the doctor, but he decided he wanted to come cheer us on instead. And we were like, what are you doing, man? Like today's the day you get your cast taken off. And his parent, his mom was like really like a worry wart and all this stuff. And we're like, dude, you should play. And he was going to play with the cast, but we're like, nah, Doc was there. And he's like, I can get that thing off. And we sawed it off. And he ended up playing in the championship game with us. And we ended up winning. And we'll never forget that. And his mom was like horrified that we cut his cast off in the parking lot. But legend, that's a legend forever. Charlie Googs, um, or AKA Sneaky Charlie. He is one of our best bunters ever. I remember when we learned about bunting and like the art of bunting and how to bunt for a, a base hit. And this dude was so good at it. It was his best skill by far. Um, but he, he got the Charlie Googs nickname from something else. I can't remember exactly, but the sneaky Charlie part was that when we were in third and fourth grade, he won the County championship for us by doing the hidden ball ball trick. And out of freaking nowhere and got the third out and surprised this team with that trick and he'll be a legend forever because of that and we won county championship because of it i'll never forget it and just like being so in awe of that and he also helped us win this tournament with his bunt and scoring the tying run obviously let's see who else who else could i talk about Oh, Iron Mike was another character. So this guy was kind of wimpy and kind of sickly and his parents are really awesome. And we were like, we love Mike, but he just was another one of those kids that like nobody else wanted. So we took him and he was really quiet and all this stuff, but he always got hurt. He got blasted in the face on the outfield, like missed the ball and oof, it was bad. But he always got him picked himself back up and kept chugging and we owe my dad was very impressed by that and the rest of us were too and we called him iron mike because of it he was wimpy but when he got knocked down he got right back up uh who else how there was z man and baby z um for some something about zorro maybe and their last name i won't say it but hilarious i don't think baby z even played with us because he was younger but z-man did and i remember the story where his parents left him with us uh for the weekend and uh we were at practice maybe on friday like the first night they were gone and a ball blasted him in the face and i think he broke his nose (laughs) and we had to take him to the emergency room and it was a whole ordeal, but one of the toughest, most fun dudes I ever played with, but one of the best athletes all around. His dad was like a legend basketball player out in Estacada, maybe other sports, but I know basketball for sure. Cause he coached uh, younger kids in basketball and whatever. But yeah, Z man will go down in history and his brother, baby Z who was just, rambunctious and hilarious and yeah he was z-man's little brother so yeah baby z is pretty easy (laughs) to make that nickname thanks dad uh who else who else as i thinking about rhino i talked about rhino um he just looked he literally looked like a rhino running he was like all shoulders he looked like a linebacker he looked like like Ray. Lewis. He was built like Ray Lewis in like sixth grade. Um, he had played that year, and he wore glasses, so he looked kind of funny <laughs> with glasses under his helmet. But he was like one of the toughest dudes ever, and he wore this big old neck roll. But any, we got him to come out for baseball because he was a really good athlete, and yeah, he ended up winning that game for us. And like I said, he looks like a freaking rhino in his baseball uniform and his football uniform. And he had gotten the nickname during football that year and is a legend forever. What else? Oh man, I don't, I can't think of all the different people right now. I just lost my, I lost my, my mojo here. 
Oh, oh, lefty, lefty, which is one of the first left-handed baseball players I ever ran into. Um, great first baseman, really quiet kid. I ended up playing with him in high school, uh, my one year at Oregon City on the JV team. One of our best pitchers then, but also obviously one of our best pitchers in youth sports and a character. Uh, I, I'll never forget him talking about the, how big of a hit that was <laughs> and just dying laughing um, that he wasn't freaked out but more pumped up that this dude just hit one of the biggest home runs he'd ever seen and it just so happened to be off of him so so what it was fun it's like an assist and this guy named meat locker um, who had this uncanny ability to be thrown out at first base even though he, he it seemed like he was hitting a a base hit. He'd hit a line drive, low flying line drive to right field or center field and still get thrown out because he wasn't real fast and he'd get so pissed and we would just laugh even though it might have lost us a game or two and my dad and all of us would just laugh because he was so cocky about stuff and then he'd get thrown out and just like, dude, what are you doing? And get so pissed at us like it was all our fault. He was kind of a bully, even though he's just a little dude. But whatever. We had the rubber band man, uh, aka Kid Kyle, who like threw a sidearm, and I'm pretty sure he threw his shoulder out and arm out by seventh grade, <laughs> which is terrible. My dad and the other coaches tried to help him, but he he didn't really listen. He always thought maybe he knew more than the coaches, uh, which was really annoying. And eventually we just didn't ask him to come back out and he stopped playing sports anyway. But yeah, we call him the rubber band man because of that, because his arm looked like a rubber band when he'd throw the ball. Sling and Sammy was another guy that I remember. Tank. Uh, I can't even. Ah, there's so many, so many people. Woodman, Woody, who is funny. His dad, actually, that was his. The dad gave him that nickname and it just stuck. And the dad was a freaking character. And one time we had gone to Brownsville and all the parents were pretty notorious for partying and drinking at night when we'd go on these camping trips and tournaments. And. They drank a little bit too much before the the la or the first night, and I remember we went to pick up Woody because the dad was like, "Ah, oh, I'm not ready to go," and he was walking out of his trailer, and the canopy fell down, and or the awning fell down, and blast like blast him in the head, cut his head open. He had to get stitches. I think Doc did it, or maybe we took him to the emergency room. But yeah, that was a rough morning, and we ended up winning that game but his dad woody's dad got blasted um who else who else is out there and there was all these other characters that were kid some of my buddies and teammates little brothers and stuff but it doesn't matter i'm starting to ramble um I just think about some of these other stories. So in brownsville i had mentioned that we had gone there a couple of different times and we before the cha- we made it to the championship game and before the championship game we were on the way and it was like brownsville days or uh something weird some kind of it might have been around the fourth of july but it had something to do with like pioneer days or something and we got caught in the parade and people thought we were in the parade because we all had our uniforms on and everybody was waving at us and we were late for the game and the game started before we got there so everything started on a bad note and we had we were beating this team and in the last inning they came back and beat us and part of like it started bad but that last inning, my dad and the other coach were a little cocky and they were already packing up the gear. And if you know baseball and like superstitions and things, you don't do that because sometimes it comes back to bite you in the butt. And they were packing up the gear and the other team just like went on a run and boom. I, I don't remember if they 10 run us. Or no, we were ten running them, and it came back around, and they ended up beating us. And yeah, karma, oof, that was rough. And after that, they were so weird. Like, don't even look at your gear. Don't, don't touch it. 
because they were scared that karma was going to get them again. Uh, that Brownsville tournament, another thing that was bad that we did, uh, the first night day that we were there, we were in the campground and we were taking batting practice, which was a big field, but everybody that was hitting bombs, just hitting huge line drives into other people's campgrounds, and the parents were all drunk, and yeah, almost, a couple fights almost happened. It was rough. They almost threw us out of the, <laughs> the campground before the tournament even started. Wow, crazy. Anyway, this thing is going off the rails, and I have so many baseball stories, um, but yeah, that was... That was one big one, the Sherwood Showdown and Sisters. Never forget it. And, uh, yeah, a couple of songs for this week. Obviously, Queen, We Will Rock You. We Are the Champions. A little bit of melody there. But just a shout-out to the Rolling Stones as well. The Last Time, I think, is a good song uh, to describe and get all the feels for this podcast and these stories and uh yeah all the good all the good vibes and i'll just wrap it there and happy hunting go watch some of the little league world series watch some of those funny clips and different interviews and things that they do it's pretty comical it's pretty fun that was my experience was little kid baseball it was awesome and uh We don't say goodbye. We say until next time. So tune in for another baseball story next time. Peace. This is the Pie Boy Podcast.